At times I've been tempted just to see what Jerry would do when he said, please be seated if I took a seat. But it's good to see each one here this evening. I'm glad you're able to be here. God has given us his word to guide us through this life. It is through the reading of his word that we gain an understanding of who he is, his nature. We gain an understanding of human beings and how they respond to this creator who so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. And it's interesting as you read and study, it's sad at times as well, both Old Testament but into the New Testament as well, to see those who walked and talked with Jesus, those who heard him speak, those who beheld the miracles, and then chose not to follow the Savior. And those who made the choice to follow the Savior as time would unfold, that they would be tempted or challenged or threatened, and that some of those would want to return to a belief that was already past and not in harmony with God's will any longer. Paul, as he, not Paul, the writer of Hebrews, would write to them, challenging them that lived in the region of Judea, who had become Christians and were following God, who had seen miracles and heard miracles, seen the apostles and the signs that they performed, under the threat of persecution, would be encouraged to go back under Judaism as opposed to staying with Christ and his way. And we live in a world that hasn't changed drastically from that. There are those who have left religious air of one sort or another to follow the Lord, and then over a period of time, for one reason or another, would change and would go back, or they would change in wanting to change how one would worship and serve God. So the writer would encourage them to take heed to what they have in the Scriptures, take heed to the lessons that were given there, so that they not be willing to give in. As you read the book of Hebrews 13 times throughout the book, the writer uses the word better. And whatever it is, it's whatever we have under the new is better than what they had under the old. We have a better sacrifice. We have a better hope. We have a better promise. And are we willing to grow in that knowledge and to stay off that temptation to go astray. The Apostle John, as he was writing in the third epistle that we have, talks about a beloved Gaius that he was a brother in Christ. And it's interesting what he has to say about Gaius there in verse 2. Uh, he is concerned about Gaius's physical well-being which is implied that his spiritual well-being was very good. He said, I pray that you would prosper physically as you are spiritually. What a compliment to give to a person. 
I've watched your spiritual life, John is telling Gaius. I've seen what you do or have done, what you are doing. I see your hope, your faith, your trust in God. And I would pray to God that you could prosper as well physically as you are doing spiritually. So the question would be, how is your spiritual health? Would you want to be doing physically as you are spiritually? If you were, where would you be? What type of physical condition would we find ourselves in? Would we be lacking something? Would we be missing something? Because the spiritual health is not where it needs to be. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 3, starting in verse 4 and following, For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if... That little word pops up so many times throughout the scriptures. If there's a condition of being in God's house, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm until the end. We have a hope in God of eternal life. If we hold fast to that, we have confidence of that end result. If we hold fast to the word of God. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And in that day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years, therefore I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my way. So I swore in my wrath, They shall not enter my rest. It's quite a charge that God has with his knowledge of people. Quite a charge he has to those, again, as you go back and read of Israel in the wilderness. Go back and read of their deliverance from Egypt, from Egyptian bondage, what took place for that to happen. Watch their guidance in the wilderness. Again, being led by God. Pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God led them, provided for them, sustained them, defended them, and they complained. And what did they complain about? They were not complaining about God leading them. They were complaining about what they had left behind. The garlic, the onions, and the leeks. We want to go back to that. We want to be fed as we ate in Egypt as slaves as opposed to God providing for us everything that we need miraculously and and guiding us where we're going. Stop and think. What they saw, 
and where they longed to be, and what they rejected, or what they were rejecting, and they rejected because God said, I swore in my wrath they will not enter my rest. That generation died in the wilderness. One of the reasons they did not want to go into the promised land that was exactly as it was prophet, uh, prophesied, a land flowing with milk and honey. They brought back the fruit from that land to show that, yes, it is, it is exactly as God has said. But, that three-letter word gets us in trouble too. But, I know this, but, if we go in that land of giants, they're going to kill us and they're going to take our children and make slaves out of them. And God says, you're not going into the land, your children will. They will inherit the land that you felt that they would be slaves in because you did not trust me. You did not believe me enough to follow me and do the things that would be pleasing in his sight. How is your spiritual health? How are you doing spiritually? Where is your hope? Where is your confidence? Where is your assurance? Where is the conviction that you believe indeed that the one you do not see, the one who you cannot touch, the one who has all power and works in a way that is beyond our comprehension, how can you not want to serve him? He has done nothing but bless us. He has done nothing but been good to us. And yet we turn around and we bemoan what we've left behind. We get caught up in the things of the world and the good life as it is described. Chasing that American dream and we forget what Jesus gave in that parable. of The rich farmer in Luke 12. And then his statement at the end of that, life does not consist in the abundance of things possessed. Do we trust God? We like to have it in our hand, and at times we're not promised that that will be indeed the case. So we forget that. They will not end my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. And departing from the living God. Beware. There's a warning. Beware, brethren. Lest it be that evil heart of unbelief. I know God said, but. I know he's watching over us, but. I think things could be different. I think things could be better. I think we could do this. We could do that. I think. And we have a heart that has lost its perspective. I trust God. I believe his will. I believe his love. I believe his desire. I believe his compassion for us is for good. I believe he watches over us. Yes, we have trials and tribulations. They're promised to us. They persecuted the master. They're going to persecute us. They wouldn't accept the prophets. They killed them. What's the difference? But do we have that confidence that that's what the scriptures are telling us from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22? Do we have the conviction 
of walking by faith and not by sight. And trusting God along the way. And if you depart from the living God, where are you going? How are you going to escape the living God? There's only one way to escape the living God. It's an eternity of separation from the living God. It's not a wise choice. And there is a deception out there. They were facing it. We face it. There's a deception that Satan is alive and well and he's influencing us in ways that we may not see. We forget sometimes how richly we've been blessed. Some have been around long enough to remember days when uh, cars were not plentiful and they were not big and they did not move swiftly in light of what cars do today. Cars today idle faster than some of those went at full throttle. But how many people, how many children of God got in a buckboard two times on Sunday and rode for an hour, an hour and a half to get to services. Go home and then make the ride back for the evening service. There are those up in the northern uh, states that we have that drive about three or four miles to get to services, 175 miles one way for some of those. And they do it. Why? Because they believe in the living God. We get comfortable. Where is the Lord's church of the 60s and the 70s in the Dallas-Fort Worth area? I read old gospel advocates and firm foundation. I received meetings of preachers, preacher luncheon, be 150 preachers there for those meetings. I attend one and we're lucky we get 20. Where are, where is the conviction? The world that we live in tells us there's what is being warned here. Be careful. To get caught up in the things of the world and you forget what is really important. Let us exhort one another daily while it is still called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And there's the problem, is it not? Exhort one another daily on a daily basis. Encourage one another in whatever ways that we can. Reach out and touch someone. Do the little things that will let others know who we are and where we are. While it is still called today. How many things do you got planned for tomorrow? 
You already got your list made up? What are you doing today? Where's the list today? While it's still called today, he said, encourage one another. Challenge one another. And it would be necessary in the rebuking of one another. Lest you become hardened through that deceitfulness of sin. The heart becomes hard. Oh, I know I should, but you got to understand what I've gone through. It's difficult. It's hard. Whatever it, uh, that we can come up with. The deceitfulness is it, deceiving. When we let something take the priority over a commitment we made to God. To be faithful to Him. Because of His faithfulness to us. When has He failed you? When has He let you down? When has He not kept His word? May not be in the way that we would want him to keep his word towards us. I like the one to be with us always, never leave us, never forsake us. Struggle with one that says, be, be faithful. And to understand that there's no temptation that you face, but such as is common to man. And that God will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. But it's looking. I have to look. I have to be aware of where I am and what I'm going through. So that I don't lose them. They tempted, or they tempted the, the Savior. Or they persecuted the Savior. Jesus said they persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. There's no getting around that. They despised him. His own people despised him. Rejected his message and sought a way to kill him and to get rid of him. Never did they ever realize that what they were doing was the fulfilling of God's promise and his prophecies. That it had to be done. But he also has promised us that he is with us. And we just have to look in, through the scriptures and find the ways that he are, that he are, that he is with us. And that we not become discouraged. Allow him or allow Satan to get the best of us. That deceitfulness of sin. Sin has its pleasure, but the Hebrew writer will say later on, it's only for a season. Be honest about that. There, there's a pleasure in sin or people wouldn't do it. But it's short-lived. It's, and that ought to be obvious by, for us that are, as we are in this world that every pleasure that the world offers is only temporary. It's not lasting. And whatever it is that's satisfied now will not satisfy later on. You have to have more. All you have to do again is look in the world and see how they get addicted to whatever it is. And that addiction doesn't stop with a little bit. Read the news. Watching it, yeah, it's hard to watch the news. It's hard to read the news. But you just look at the depths that some people have gone and the things that they have pursued as pleasure. 
alcohol, drugs, pornography. Just go down the list and see how far some have gone into the depths of hell in pursuit of what they had thought was pleasure. But it only ends up killing the soul. We can see it. So don't pursue it. Don't get caught up in that deceitfulness of sin along the way. We have become partakers of Christ. We share with Christ. We're a partaker of him. He's with us. He's in us. God in the flesh. God with us. Understand what we have there. If, if, there's that word again. If we hold to the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. If we hold fast, if we're steadfast, that confidence that we have, we have that hope. As with anything else, it requires effort. Anything that we do requires effort. It doesn't matter what it is. You look at any sport. It takes determination. You you can watch any sport that there is, football, whatever it is. You watch when a player has that determination of crossing the goal line. What they're able to do, they drag three or four guys with them if they want to get across the goal Because anything short of the goal, there's no reward. What is your spiritual health? How committed are you to crossing that goal line of faithfulness to God until death? Revelation 2.10, be thou faithful unto death, and you shall receive the crown of life. Be faithful unto death until the day you die. You're faithful to God. You're committed to God. You're about his task. You're about his business. And so that you can receive that prize that comes at the end. And then we're reminded in Luke 17 and verse 10. When we've done everything that we can do, at the end of our lives, all that we can say is that we're unprofitable servants. We've only done that which is expected of us. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how much you do of it. It doesn't matter how well you do it. It doesn't matter how long you do it. Whenever you get to the end of life, all you can say is that we've only done what was expected of us. You haven't done anything more. There's no room for boasting in it. You've only done what God has wanted you to do. He's given you the ability. He expects you to use it. He's given you the life. He expects you to use it. There's a day of accounting that will be coming. And if we've been the servant that God wants us to be, we have the reward. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, and into the joy of thy master. In Matthew 25, verse 21, and also in verse 23. Well done. Which means what? You did the job that needed to be done in the way God wanted it to be done. And the only way that you could do the job that needed to be done in the way God wanted it to be done is by letting God help you as you do it. We mentioned this morning, I, Paul said, I planted, Apollos water, but God gave the increase. 
He who plants is nothing. He who waters is nothing. It's God who gives the increase. So it doesn't matter what you do. You're just simply doing what's asked of you. That's the job of the servant. Servants today want to dictate what their job is going to be. They want to set the rules, the regulations. They want to set the conditions. They want to set the rewards. They want to set how they're, how they're viewed. The servant is to serve the master. Do the job the master gave him. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 18 reminds us of that. God has placed you in the body just as it has pleased him. You are where God wants you to be. He's moved people around. He's moved you around so you could be where you are to be a servant of God where you are to bring honor and glory to his name while we walk through this life. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. And then they go on to tell who rebelled. Those all, all of those who came up out of Egypt, the adults. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. The voice of the Savior says, come. The voice of the Savior says, walk with me. The voice of the Savior says, trust me as we walk through this life and a pathway that you do not see or completely understand. Trust me. He's not going to lead us astray. He's more trustworthy than Google Maps are. They have you going places that I don't know. I don't know how they, how they mapped them things out. You know, they got you going here, then over here, and back forth, and uh, you're driving down the interstate, they're telling you to get off at this exit, and you get off that exit, and they say, I'll get back on the interstate, you get on the interstate, and they say, get off the next exit. Why? God is more faithful than that. God has a goal in mind for you. God has a plan in mind for you. He's mapped it out. All, all you have to do is to follow it. He opens the doors when you don't see that they're there. He gives the strength that you don't realize that he's given as you walk through this life. That's the beauty of it. He knows. He cares. So again, the question is, how is your spiritual health? Do you need to heed the warning that is given in Hebrews 4? And 3 and 4? Read Hebrews. It's the challenging book. But it's a rewarding book. For those who trust the Lord, those who are called according to his purpose, there is a reward for trust and obey. So the question is, why not tonight? If the life is not where it ought to be, why not tonight? The commitment isn't there as it needs to be, why not tonight? If the help is needed and asked for, why not tonight? Why not be the person that God wants you to be? Why not be the person God will enable you to be? And why not walk? 
through this life with the help of the Lord. That invitation is extended. If you need to respond to it, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.